0: Good morning. Okay, y'all can hear me? Good. Uh, The scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho, and he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Reading our scripture. You now, getting up in front of people's not always easy, and appreciate people who are willing to do that. <laughs> Answering that call. Maybe she won't hold it against me too long. We <laughs> thank you for doing that. Also appreciate our worship band. They always do such a tremendous job of leading us into God's presence and worship. And uh, I just don't want to take that for granted. It's an offering of your talents and abilities to God's glory, and we thank you for doing that. As we have heard God's word read to us, let's pause for a moment asking God's spirit to lead us in our understanding of it for our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. You've promised that we're two or more gather in your name, that there you will be. We ask this day that you come to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to understanding your word, to seek in its meaning for our lives and that it more than just understanding God, that you may bring a change within us, transforming us into the people you call us to be. So let us hear, Lord, come and do their work within us. We offer ourselves in this moment to you and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think all of us are familiar with uh, Helen Keller, <clears throat> you know, familiar with her. We're, she's been such an inspiration to so many people in the story of her deafness and her blindness. And she once wrote a magazine article entitled Three Days to See. It was a powerful and thought-provoking article uh, where she talked about the three things that she would want to see if she were given just three days of sight. She said the first day she would like to be able to see her family, her friends, The second day, she'd like to spend time just beholding uh, the glory of creation and and the beauty of nature. The third day, she said, that she'd just like to spend in her home city of New York, overlooking the busy city streets and the work of the present day. And then she concluded with these words, I who am blind can give one hint to those who see. Use your eyes as if tomorrow you were stricken blind. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that was just read to us about Jesus' healing of a blind man named Bartimaeus. But to put this story in its context in Mark's Gospel, this is the last healing story that you read in Mark's Gospel. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem to die. And so the rest of Mark's gospel is going to focus on that final journey of Jesus and those final days. So Jesus is about, he's leaving Jericho, he's going into Jerusalem, he's going to enter into, you remember that triumphant uh, entry he does into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and all the people are waving the palm leaves saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Glory to God in the highest. And yet seven days later, he's going to walk those same streets, carrying a cross, beaten, mocked. There's going to be a crowd surrounding him that are jeering, not Hosanna, but crucify him. There's no doubt that Jesus knew what was about to happen. On several occasions, he has told his disciples about this. Uh, this, This had to be on his mind as he and the disciples left Jericho, headed on that road to Jerusalem. Well, at the same time, this is taking place. You have a man who is blind, named Bartimaeus, who takes his place outside the city gates of Jericho along the road there, a place that he would go every day to beg for alms and for money. We don't know a lot about Bartimaeus. Even his name uh, doesn't tell us a whole lot. I mean, it simply means son of Timaeus. Uh, we don't even know his given name. Apparently, he was not important enough to even call people who didn't refer to him as his given name. They referred to him as the son of Timaeus. As bad as blindness is in our day and time, it was much, much worse in Jesus' day. I mean, at least people who are blind today have some hope of living a useful, productive life with the proper training. And you have people like Helen Keller and Stephen Hawkins and so many others that are, some of our most skilled and creative people are, are blind in our society that's not the case in the first century of Palestine people who were blind in that day were regulated to a, a, a lifestyle of abject poverty they all they could do was just simply go in the streets and beg for mercy and for alms and look and they were dependent on the uh, compassion and generosity of other people unless your particular kind of blindness was self-correcting there was really no hope for any kind of cure I mean, the skills that were necessary were still, you know, centuries beyond the medical skills of the people of that day. And so to make matters worse, for blind people, in that day people believed that any kind of disability was actually a punishment from God. I mean, through their ignorance and their superstition, they believed that a child who was born with any kind of disability was because someone had sinned in their family. And these people were treated as outcasts, uh, to fend on their own, and they, it was as if the condition they had was somehow contagious. That's what life was like for people back in that day. And the Pharisees said to the blind men in John chapter 9, they would have also said to Bartimaeus, they said, you were born in sin. And so that sets the scene for this encounter that's going to happen between Bartimaeus and Jesus. But as you often find in the stories of Jesus, things are not as, if, as what they really appear to be on the surface. Because the text tells us that Jesus encountered this blind man named Bartimaeus. But who's really blind in this story? I cannot imagine what it was like to be physically blind. I couldn't imagine what that's like. I mean, I, although I have been to a cave in Arkansas many years ago, where after our group got inside the cave, the guy had cut the light off. I don't know if that's happened to any of you, but when that happened, I mean, it's like, the dark was so, I mean, it's just like you could almost feel it. <laughs> I mean, I, I put my hands in front of my eyes. I was trying to touch it, look around everywhere I could, but I couldn't see anything. My eyes were just useless. And, and those brief moments of total darkness gave me some indication perhaps of what it's like to be physically blind. Bartimaeus, he, you know, he must have surely been to every doctor, every miracle healer he could find throughout the years, and yet no one had healed him. Nobody made any difference. Yet that day, even though he was the one that was considered to be blind, everybody thought blind man was Bartimaeus. Yet the story reveals he actually could see better than anybody else in the crowd. (coughs) Somehow he had heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming down that road. He knew about Jesus. He knew his name. He'd heard the stories about Jesus. (coughs) And somehow he knew that Jesus could heal him. Jesus had the power to set him free from the darkness that he was imprisoned by. Somehow he believed. He had that intuition. Somehow he knew that Jesus was more than just a miracle worker. But he was the anointed one. He was the chosen one. He was the Messiah. And so as Jesus draws near, he calls out to Jesus. he, He calls out a name that's not used anywhere else in Mark's gospel. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. It was perhaps that cry of Bartimaeus that Fanny Crosby had in mind when she penned the words of that beautiful hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While another others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Well, Bartimaeus called out to Jesus in faith, and he asked for mercy. But you remember the crowd, they try to hush him up. They consider him to be a nuisance. They treated him, as society often treats these kind of people, as if he was expendable, as if he was someone to be ignored, irrelevant, whose dignity was not to be considered. The crowd thought that someone as important, as great as Jesus, they didn't have time for one of these blind, helpless beggars. But as often is the case, the crowd was wrong. When Jesus heard Bartimaeus calling out to him, he stopped. And he called him to him. And Jesus ends up saying, your faith has made you well. What do we say when we finally comprehend something? (laughs) We say, oh, I see. Well, that's kind of the sight that Bartimaeus has in this story. He may have been physically blind. But he could see better than everybody else. Now, this story has several implications several uh, meanings and lessons within it, I think. But this, one of the lessons that we find in this story is how Bartimaeus paints a picture for us of the kind of people that Jesus is attuned to and that he looks for. I mean, he's in this crowd of people, the disciples around him, all these folks are going down around him, there's noise and carrying on. And yet uh, he, he stops and he attends to the needs of Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus recognizes who he really is. And because he acknowledged his need and his trust in Jesus. So, how do you see yourself? <laughs> and I said, one of the things about this story is that the power of it is that it gives us the ability to see ourselves in it. How do you see yourself? Like Bartimaeus, do you have a sense of your need for God? for what God has to give us in forgiveness and in healing in our lives. Are you able to see Jesus for who he really is? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to pursue him? Indeed, Bartimaeus may have been physically blind, but he had eyes to see, true vision, in his trust of Jesus and his acknowledgement of, of who Jesus really is and his need for Jesus. He had 2020 vision. So things aren't as they seem in this story. <clears throat> I mean, uh, we, it appears that we're dealing with a blind man named Bartimaeus, but Bartimaeus is not as blind as we may think he is. In fact, the ones who are exposed to be really blind are the crowd. And yet I think also our blindness is exposed in this story as well. For the stories of Jesus have that power to cause us to see ourselves in them, and I think all of us can see ourselves in this crowd of people. Oftentimes, we are oblivious to the needs of other people around us because we're always so focused on our own selves and our own agendas. So I think we can see ourselves in the crowd. But there's another kind of blindness exposed in the story that is often overlooked. Because look at the people who were with Jesus, his disciples. I mean, what about the men who were his disciples? Uh, you would think that by now, surely by now, they would have had eyes to see Jesus's vision. They had had clear vision of what's going on. I mean, you would think that they spent three years with him. Uh, it's now the last week of his life. By now, you would think, surely they understood. They saw things more clearly. As Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem, he tells them what's coming. Uh, Luke's gospel says that three times uh, Jesus tried to tell them about the things that were going to happen. On the first occasion, Luke writes, but they, they understood none of the things that Jesus said. On the second occasion, he writes, but these things were hidden from them. On the third occasion, he records, but they did not grasp what he had said. For some reason, even at this stage, they just did not fully understand who Jesus really is. They loved him passionately, willing to give up everything to follow him. But they just didn't understand. They had sight. (laughs) They just failed to see. And this blindness really affected their behavior. I mean, look at what they did to this blind beggar. They tried to prevent him from coming to Jesus. Why did they do that? After all they had seen, they knew about Jesus. Why did they do that? You remember on another occasion, they tried to keep the children from approaching Jesus. Jesus. We might expect such things to happen with Sadducees and the Pharisees, but not these men who were Jesus' disciples. These were ones who had listened to everything they had to say. They had watched and they saw all that he did. The truth is it wasn't until the stone was rolled away on Easter morning that they finally got it. It was then that they finally understood who Jesus was. It was then that they became apostles instead of just disciples. It was then that they began to go out in the streets and boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel. But none of that happened until their eyes were finally opened. Again, do you see yourself in this story? What about us who are Jesus' disciples today? Have we become blind to who Jesus really is? And who we're called to be as the hands and the feet, the body of Christ. Does our participation in the church fool us into thinking we really don't need what God has to offer? We're not in need of God's forgiveness, his grace and his mercy. I mean, after all, we're good church folk. We come to church on Sundays. We're good Christians. It's those other folks who really need that. Sometimes we can spend all of our time studying God's Word and going to different classes and Bible studies and thinking, yet we never really live it, never put it into practice. Can you see yourself in this story? Bartimaeus, he lacked eyes, vision. The disciples, we can say, oh, they lacked understanding at this point in their lives. But what about us? We have both, yet often we fail to see. I think another one of those areas of blindness that's exposed in this story is the kind of blindness we have when it comes to the precious gift of life. You know, often we don't even appreciate our physical health and abilities until we're struck with a serious illness. It's only then that we begin to wonder why we took for granted uh, the health that we have and why we didn't take care of it better and all those things. We really don't appreciate, I think, our loved ones until... There's a threat of losing them. Only then do we wonder why we didn't spend more time together, why we didn't do the things that we intended to do with one another. We take life for granted until that diagnosis of cancer comes. Then we start to see how precious every day, every moment is in life. It's funny. All those things that bog us down and worry us and drag us down in life, they seem so trivial, so minor and things like that happens. We're often blinded to the preciousness of life until it's threatened. So in many ways we're all blind. We're blind in, in a variety of different ways. We don't see life and the blessings that we have in this life. We don't see uh, the our own need for God's grace. We don't see the needs of other people. We don't take the time to to stop and to care and to be a friend to folks. Uh, Just like the crowd, and just like the disciples, we have eyes and yet we fail to see. But the good news of this story is that those who are blind have hope because Jesus came to heal the blind. It, It happened to Bartimaeus. It happened to the disciples. And it could happen to you and me. How does that happen? is simply to do what Bartimaeus did. You simply cry out to God, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Help me to see. Open my eyes. Jesus, this story tells us, has the power to do that. But the story doesn't end here. After Bartimaeus asked Jesus to restore his sight, Mark tells us immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight and followed him on the way. People, this this is why Jesus saves us, (laughs) not so that we can go back doing whatever we were doing before in our lives, but so that we might now follow him as his disciples. And this story reveals to us what it really looks like to follow Jesus as his disciple. For in this story, we see how Jesus responded to the cries of this desperate man. This blind man whose life was relegated to begging on the street corners every day, asking people for money. Jesus heard his cry. He responded to his need. He healed him and fully restored his sight. And in doing so, he showed his commitment to this other-oriented lifestyle that was the hallmark, the the purpose of all of Jesus' life here on earth. He demonstrated in so many ways. The disciples... They just couldn't grasp it. They hadn't figured it out. Not even now. He would try one more time Uh, later that week when they broke bread together in the Lord's Supper. Remember how Jesus would take a bowl of water and a towel. He would wash their feet. Consistently throughout his ministry, Jesus tried to show us that to follow him, to be his disciple means to have a servant's heart toward others who are in need. It is to live with that other-oriented lifestyle. And that doesn't come naturally for us. (laughs) Truth is, we all know we tend to be self-focused. We tend to be very self-centered people. But when we allow God's Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to open our eyes, to direct our daily lives, it's then that our passion. And the fruit that we produce in our lives becomes that of serving others and helping others. In this story, we see how Jesus heard the prayer, the cry of this desperate man. And I think that in itself is significant. Because remember, Jesus is surrounded by this crowd of people. It's on the road. They're all clamoring and talking and there's noise going on. And yet that did not prevent him from hearing the cries. Bartimaeus. Neither did the burden of what he was about to face. I mean, he's, he's headed to Jerusalem. He knows that he's headed toward a violent death on a cross. And yet still, that did not prevent him from responding to the cries and the needs of those around him. And I think this is how we must seek to imitate Jesus and our discipleship. We have to train our ears to hear. We have to train our eyes to see the needs that are around us despite all the distractions that we live with every day. And that's so hard to do in the busy lives that we have. I mean, we're continually bombarded with things. We we all carry burdens. We all carry problems. We all carry challenges. We have busy lives. I mean, I often feel like I'm surrounded by a crowd of people who are just in my ear all the time. It's hard to focus on what I really need to do. And yet, following Jesus requires that we never lose sight of our mission. It requires that we always remain attuned to the needs brothers around us that nothing will distract us from hearing the cries of those we're called to serve. Like Jesus, we can't allow anything to do that because that's our purpose as his disciples. Once our eyes are opened to seeing the world and seeing others around us as Jesus sees them, we realize that the true joy of life and our purpose in life is all about that, helping, serving others, Who are in need. And we actually see this in the words that Jesus speaks to Bartimaeus. In verse 51, he asks Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? That's the question. What do you want me to do for you? And I think this is the defining question for us as Christians, and particularly as a church. It's defined by that question What can I do for you? Because above all else, we are called to be servants. I mean, Jesus said, as my disciples, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Serve one another as I have served you, he says. That means the question that we must be asking of every person that we come encounter with who is in need is that question that Jesus asked of Bartimaeus. What can I do for you? What do you need? As a church, this is the question I think that we need to be asking the community that we live in. I mean, I believe that this church was brought into being. The reason why we exist is to try to meet the needs of the community around us, to minister in Jesus' name. And so we must continually be looking at the needs in our community, asking the question, what can we do for you? How can we help? How can we make a difference? Jesus calls each of us to serve those around us that we meet along the way. As Christ followers, the question that we have to be continually asking of those around us, is what can I do for you that will help you to experience and to come to know God's love for you? This is what it means to have the heart of Jesus. <clears throat> this is what it means to have a heart that breaks for the things that are breaking the heart of God in this world. We are to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a spirit to continually ask, what can I do for you? In the name of Jesus. Finally, after healing Bartimaeus, Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He didn't say, well, from now on, I expect you to give me 10% of, my, of your daily begging receipts that you do <laughs> out there. He, did, he didn't say, uh, I'll do this for you, but I'm going to expect you to do some things for me now. I mean, that's, that's not what Jesus did. I, and I think this is significant because sometimes we place expectations Upon our acts of kindness and helping others, I mean, we're willing to help other people. We kind of expect something in return when we do, right? We expect at least gratitude, a thank you. Uh, maybe we expect recognition, <laughs> or, or maybe we just expect the satisfaction of knowing that whatever we did actually is making a difference. I mean, I have had many experiences in churches where we found a need in the community, and I've tried to lead the church to help with that. And I've had people will say to me, um, "Look, Pastor." We need to take care of our people first. I mean, those people out there, they're not going to contribute anything to our church. They're not going to benefit us in any way. Why do we need to help them? I've literally had people say that in the church. (laughs) Folks, that's not how Jesus calls us to serve. Uh, He didn't have this quid pro quo kind of policy where I'll help you if you help me. He didn't require people to, uh, he didn't only minister to people who were willing to join his church. Remember, he healed 10 lepers at one point. Only one of them came back to say thank you, but that didn't stop him from helping people. The model that Jesus gives us when it comes to serving other people is that of unconditional love. Unconditional love. It means helping the people that we find in need without any expectations of getting anything in return, without any obligations. You focus on not ourselves and not what we can get, but rather or other people and what we can give. That's the way of Jesus. Uh, those who have their eyes open to the vision of Jesus understand this. They understand that it is the act of unconditional love that has the power to truly change people's lives. It's the greatest power that we have to affect transformation in this world. Unconditional love. When Jesus healed people, what he said to them was go. Go your way. And that was it, just like he did Bartimaeus. But Mark's Gospel adds this phrase here that I think is important. He says, immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Such is the power of unconditional love. So this story reminds us that we are called to have that other-oriented lifestyle as Jesus' disciples. It means a lifestyle... Driven by the passion to serve other people who are in need. It means a lifestyle driven by the question, what can I do for you? It means a lifestyle driven by a commitment to help other people, regardless of the distractions that are going on in our life. We're focused on that. We're attuned to that. That's our mission. Fanny Crosby, who we talked about already, the great gospel hymn writer, she was lost her side as a child. And yet, Like Bartimaeus, I mean, I think she had eyes to see things that few of us can see even today. As I mentioned earlier, many believe that it was this story of Bartimaeus that gave her the inspiration for that great hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While in others thou art calling, do not pass me by. This story reminds us that those of us who are blind, there's hope. Because we serve a God who will not pass us by when we cry out and we truly seek him. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get uh, where we don't matter to him at all. He's never too busy to take care of our needs. He's always attuned to that. Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, and Jesus healed him. In response to this unconditional love, Bartimaeus followed him. This is the life. That we are called to as Jesus' disciples. So may our eyes be opened to see as blind Bartimaeus did. May we make it our prayer every day Lord, I want to see. I want to have your heart open my eyes so that I may follow you all of my days. This is the life of discipleship that Jesus calls us to. Let's pray. For God, as we hear these words, and sometimes, Lord, as we see ourselves in this story, it's not a pretty sight. We recognize, God, that we haven't had eyes that you try to have us have. We don't see people. We've ignored people. We've been so focused on other things, ourselves. We've been blind to seeing the world and seeing others as you call us to. Forgive us for that, oh God. Convict us this day to make it our passion, to see others as you see them, to have your heart, to live as you call us to live. Because you've taught us, God, this is our mission. This is where we find meaning and purpose. And it's where we find true joy. So may it be so, God. Open our eyes that we may see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.